2: Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Now, while you might know, I would imagine you do now, that Audible.com has um, audio books and thousands of titles, what you might not know is all the other audio um, entertainment that they have to offer. So we are offering you a free trial, so you can check it out for yourself. Uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash Growth and explore. Look around, find the stuff that resonates with you. Over the years, uh, the Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast has continued to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals. Uh, We have had the honor of being included on a number of lists of the best podcasts to listen to for a variety of reasons. And that, you know, it's a pretty big honor. I I feel really good about that. And I also know that it is because of the guests. Uh, These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business. And they join me to share that expertise with all of you. Goal is that you get answers, information, education, you know, the things that you need to um, make decisions, do better things in your business so you can be more successful. Today is no different. Today my guest is Rob Restagno. Rob is the founder and CEO of Sterling Woods Group and a keynote speaker focused on sharing new ways to use data to drive business results. Rob combines his expertise in data science with proven sales and marketing strategies to help established middle market companies quickly generate new revenue by improving the way they gather and utilize data. Thanks so much for joining me today, Rob.
3: I am grateful to be here. Thank you, Diane.
2: Absolutely. And I want to just, you know, start at laying a foundation and ask you to explain uh, what data mining is and then how it can transform a business.
3: Sure. I think that data mining can sound really scary at first. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there's there's definitely a crawl, walk, run approach to data mining. It could be as simple as collecting different data points that you have throughout your organization already and drawing some inferences. And then, of course, it could scale all the way up to machine learning and artificial intelligence and all these buzzwords that you hear. But the the main thing that we we espouse is that uh, data mining can start at the basics, and you can get lots of valuable uh, pieces of information, simple pieces of information that you can take action on grow your business as a result. And then it gets, it gets kind of addicting. <laughs> and then you want to kind of get up into, to the, you know, the more advanced uh, things. But I think sometimes data mining is, is scary. Sometimes it sounds too nerdy or whatever, but it's really, it's really a, f- a friend to any sort of executive who wants to grow their business.
2: That's interesting. Okay. Cause it, cause it does feel sort of uh, big and um, expensive. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, where, do, where is the data that companies are mining?
3: Yeah, there's a lot more data that you have that you don't realize you have. In fact, studies have shown that 70 to 75% of data never gets touched by an organization. Wow. So at, yeah, at the simplest level, you have, presumably you have sales. So you have a lot of data around who, who your customers are, what they're buying, when they're buying it, how they're buying it. Uh, so that's usually data that people, don't think about when it comes to mining stuff. Uh, you also have a, any sort of digital presence data. So web traffic, web events, your email marketing, your social platforms, there's lots of data there. And that can really uh, be a lot, but there's also some basic stuff that, that is helpful in steering your business. Uh, and the third type of data that you can mine is, is primary research, meaning going out and just talking and surveying your customers. And sometimes that's the most, uh, most impactful data uh, to, to mine, and, and it's not too time-consuming or expensive uh, to go out and actually uh, uh, get going on, uh, you get, get started with tomorrow.
2: That's really interesting. I don't know if people would think about surveying their clients and data mining as the same thing. Like, that sort of surprised me when you said it.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it, uh, um, it goes back to the point that there's different degrees of data mining.
2: Yeah. And,
3: uh, you know, when, when you, you launch that first survey and you can uh, slice and dice the results and get some meaningful ways to, to treat different types of customers in different ways, uh, it's going to open your eyes to some of the more advanced ways of, of data mining.
2: Okay. Now, talk to me some about old data and what, uh, you know, a company can do with it.
3: Yeah, so presumably, let's just focus on on one of those three types of data. Let's focus on transactional data or your okay. sales history data. Yeah. Um, chances are you have this data from all the way back to the inception of your company. Now, now maybe it's different formats, different databases, but but it exists. Uh, so you can do some basic things right off the bat. And uh, you'll, you'll need a statistician, but the, the computational power has come a long way and the costs have come way down. So it's not as expensive as it used to be. But you can look at that data for patterns, uh, such as uh, if if customer bought product X, how likely are they to to buy product Y or Z? So sort of we all, we're all familiar with with Amazon. You see at the bottom oh, of yeah. the page, customers who bought this also bought that. Uh, you can you can look at your data and and figure out what those patterns look like, and that helps your. Your sales efforts or your marketing uh, uh, efforts in terms of saying hey let's go talk to all the people who bought x we see they're likely to buy y let's try to try to get them to purchase y um, the other thing you can do with your your, your historical sales data is, is segment your customers and you'll probably find that not all customers are created equal when it comes to profitability uh, and if, if, you can build a, if you can build a grid or a map and you can imagine, hey, these, these customers are our most profitable customers, what do they have in common? And these, these customers are least profitable and what do they have in common? And, and usually uh, when we work with companies to do that analysis, we find that they're spending the same amount of marketing dollars and the same amount of sales effort going after the low value customers as they are after the high value customers. Um, so right there, there's an opportunity for you to say, hey, wait a minute. Why are we uh, giving the same amount of effort to the, to the low-value customers? We should be trying to drive them to self-service or find some lower cost-to-serve way for them. And we should be doubling down on our high-value types of customers because that's really where we're going to be able to find opportunities to grow both our revenues and our profits.
2: Wow, that's really interesting. Okay, like as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about um, – I think, you know, not just the segmentation, but really being able to zero in on a particular market for a particular product or service that then you wrap your marketing around so that your efforts are more strategic.
3: Exactly. And I like to say that segmentation is the only free lunch in marketing. <laughs> uh, you know, if you've taken a finance class, you've probably learned diversification is the only f- free lunch in finance where you can simultaneously lower your risk and increase your return. Uh, and in marketing, I think it's segmentation that does that. So mm. we see companies that uh, re- cut, cut 25% of their, their sales and marketing budget and, and stop uh, going after their poor segments. And they reinvest part of that to go after their, their most attractive segments. And as a result, you're saving money on the marketing and sales side while also growing your sales on the, on the, on the revenue side. So it's really right. a double whammy.
2: Wow, wow, that's crazy. All right, so talk to me some about um, what a CEO can, can do with the data, like in terms of investing in predictable growth.
3: Yeah, I think the first thing the CEO can do is, is come up with some hypotheses. So, so a trap that I see a lot of companies falling into is, hey, we need, we need artificial intelligence, we need data science, let's spend two years and $2 million building a robust data warehouse where every single piece of data is perfect and aligned. And you know that sounds good, but the two years go by, and then there's still no way to take that, <laughs> take that data <laughs> and make money off of it. So a CEO who can say, "Hey, look, here's five hypotheses I have. I really think that you know, I think that uh, hidden in our customer data is this type of customer who who would really be a great target for us, but we're not doing enough to target them. What pieces of data do I need to go out and collect to prove or disprove that my theory is correct? And then once it's proven," You know, let's say we, we uh, uh, you know, are looking for what you know, uh, a new type of customer. It's proven out in the data. Now I can go to my sales and marketing team and say, hey, we proved this out in the data. We want you to double down your spend on going after this particular type of customer uh, or double the amount of, of time your sales team is spending with this particular type of customer. So it's really starting with what ideas do you have? What do you think from your, your business intuition it's going to take to grow the business? And then go find the data that you need to to prove or disprove your theory rather than hoping that if you spend millions of dollars on a data warehouse that someone will magically uh, turn that into dollars for you:
2: Wow, that's really great All right so so the data's there right you just yeah.
3: yeah. And yeah. look, I don't, you know, I don't mean to knock data warehouses. There's yeah. a, a place in time for them, especially for bigger organizations who have larger IT departments and all else equal. If, if you can do that, it's a great, great uh, investment for your company, but for smaller and medium sized businesses who need to grow their revenues today and don't maybe have the capital budgets, there's ways to move forward without the perfect data warehouse.
2: Right. Exactly. Okay. Wow. Great. All right. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I I have um, some more questions for you.
3: Sounds good.
2: Your business growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. And while Audible.com has thousands of titles to choose from when it comes to audiobooks, they have so much more. They've got Audible Originals, uh, guided meditations, podcasts, news it, it's really uh, amazing and incredible um, right now one of my favorite things is the guided meditations uh, and I have to say that I guess one of the things that I really appreciate about audible.com is that uh, I it's one platform where I can get all those things like I don't have to go to different platform you know one platform to get meditation and another to get a podcast and another to get uh, an audiobook. So um, it's pretty slick. Uh, and we would love it if you would check it out. So we are offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash business growth and explore on your own. Check out some of the things you didn't really realize were there. Try them out for a little while and see how you like them. I think you're going to like them very much. Today, we're speaking with Rob Ristagno about how to increase revenue by using data. Okay, so Rob, what is a product pyramid?
3: Uh, yes, the product pyramid is a slate of products that range from low price to high price that are, can be precisely targeted to various segments within your, your potential uh, market. So, for example, let's take uh, a media business, uh, for example. At at the base of their pyramid, they might have a lot of free content, things that you can read for free online. They make a little bit of money from ad dollars on it. But the idea is you want to have a lot of people on that product, even though you're not making that much money per customer. Then maybe moving up the pyramid, you might have something like a subscription, uh, either a digital uh, subscription or a print subscription. You're paying a little bit more, $20, $40, $60 a year. Uh, not as many people are going to take you up on that, but they're going to be at a higher price. And then maybe above that, you have an event and you get all your, your loyal uh, enthusiasts together and it's $1,000 uh, you know, it's a lot of money to come to the event and you're not going to get all your magazine subscribers uh, to come to that, but you're going to get a good chunk of them and, and pay a higher price. So the idea is you want to have lots of different uh, products along the same type of problem that you're solving so that the people that you bringing into your brand, can start with a, a, a low-risk, low-cost uh, product, and then you can move your, your way up the pyramid.
2: Okay, and, and would, you, would you think that that could apply to any industry, or is it more valuable for certain industries than others?
3: It really can apply to any industry, and we okay. see uh, across the board a huge opportunity, especially to launch a premium tier no matter what product you have. So if you're software, we've seen people launch services on top of their software. If you're uh, you know, f- physical good, you could, could launch a higher quality or an even higher quality version. Uh, you could launch a bundle of products. Um, so really no matter what product you are, go, go and talk to your best customers and ask what else they want. And they'll, and they'll tell you. And this is where the data comes in because you'll use the data to figure out who your best customers actually are. Uh, and then if you go out and talk to them, they will tell you, hey, you know, it'd be great if you also had this, and if you also had that, and by the way, I'd love to pay you for it because I believe in your brand, and there's I have this real need, and if I trust that your brand can meet that need for me. Um, some people, there's also an opportunity to have a lower end product, but most of the time we see an opportunity to launch that premium tier.
2: And uh, so I just love that because I, I, as you were talking, I was hearing about data mine like a couple of different data mining ways. First, you figure out who your best customers are, that's one. Then you go talk to them. That's another one. Mm -hmm. Then you, you know, maybe you do some sort of like focus group as you create these things to see how well they hit the mark before you put them out, you know, into the atmosphere.
3: Exactly. And then even (laughs) just building on that, that's a great point, Diane. Just building on that, you could also track how things are going after you launch new tiers. And you Ah, can set up some metrics for success. So we want at least 10% of people in our and our C tier to upgrade to our B tier. Uh, and if, if you're seeing that you're not hitting your benchmarks, maybe you didn't get the product right, or the price is too high. If you see you're exceeding those benchmarks, maybe there's a signal that there's there's an opportunity for an even higher tier, or maybe your price isn't high enough, um, or there's an opportunity to invest more marketing dollars to get even more people to upgrade. So keep looking at that data even after you launch and, and track the key performance metrics and, and figure out where, where you're winning and losing and correct course accordingly.
2: Very interesting. All right, so talk to me some about, especially, you know, given the, the world that we're living in right now, how can a company determine how a crisis is impacting their best customers?
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing to do is, is uh, go out and talk to them and focus on, on the relationship. So before we get into data mining, Uh, Just kind of remember that we're all human, and uh, in in this environment, I think the 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 businesses that are really recognizing that their that their their employees, their investors, their customers, their community are are people, and talking to them first as 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 another person uh, are doing really well. Uh, But then, you know, it's not a bad thing to listen to them and talk about their needs and figure out um, kind of kind of how how this environment has has shaped and changed their needs. Um, try to th- try to get ahead of the curve and see see you know see what is a trend a temporary trend that is going to go away once once things go back to whatever the new normal is and and see, yeah. and then see I'm not even sure you can call it the new normal anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then also see kind of what's a permanent change. So I, th- I think, you know, some of the, the things that, that are have become clear is the new normal. Uh, uh, ha- how we work is going to be totally different. How we shop is going to be totally different. Um, you know, the the event industry is going to be different. The, tra- the, the travel and hospitality industry is going to be totally different. So just think about uh, when you're talking to your customers, what is sort of a short-term need because we're temporarily stressed out and, and, and facing some, some health challenges uh, versus what's gonna, what, what long-term trends have been permanently affected. And, and that's where you can start moving ahead of the curve and, and ahead of your competition and making those changes. Um, and in terms of the data, how, how you know, after you, you get some of that more qualitative input from, from talking to your best customers, uh, I think it goes back to then just there's just trying a bunch of things. And if you're theory, back to the hypothesis driven approach, you know, if you think that right now, you know, traditionally, I'm just making up an example, let's just say we're, we're a manufacturing company, and traditionally, we've only sold 10% of our, our, our products online. Uh, we see a big shift now that people want to buy directly from us on our website rather than through channels or distributors. Uh, so you know, we're going to invest more in, in, in our e-commerce presence, and we want to see uh, 30% uh, of our sales coming through that channel within the next 12 months. So that's a number you want to keep your eye on and see if it's going in the right direction to see if if your hypothesis was was true or false.
2: I see that's a great example cuz that is definitely something people are when you were saying it i was thinking <clears throat> i know people are going through that right now you know who all of a sudden weren't doing anything online had no e-commerce and had to yeah. race to get it set up so it's you know chance it'll be a hybrid moving forward.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and it gives you a chance to 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 rethink how you use your sales team. Uh, now that yeah. you can't meet in person with anyone, uh, you're probably hindered in some areas. And, and that should be a, single, a signal that that's where you need to get face-to-face interactions up and running as soon as it's safe to do so. And then you're probably going to be pleasantly surprised that a lot of business moved online or to outbound calling uh, and uh, uh, you know an inside sales team doing some calls. Um, and maybe that helps you rethink your, your sales deployment model.
2: Right. And talk to me some about... <clears throat> Um, I'm not sure how I want to ask this question, like timeline, like, you know, if I'm a CEO and I'm gathering all of this data, I'm imagining a lot of it I, I should be able to get just by running reports, um, through what, you know, whatever system I have. But then based on what I learn um, and I make a decision, is, is there like a time frame around which I should have an idea if it's working? Yeah, that's yeah. sort of a yeah. general question. Yeah. no, I
3: think a, a few a few thoughts come to mind on, on that one. Uh, you know, some, some, I'll say pure data scientists get mad at me when I say this, but quick and dirty trumps perfect uh, because I would rather, you know, there's gonna be always some data issues. They'll, you know, yeah. you'll spell Marriott with one R and, and, and one database and two R's and another one by mistake. Or, you know, there's, there's unfortunately gonna be some data quality issues. And over the long run, you wanna move to cleaning those up. But in the short run, uh, if you just wanna move fast, you're gonna to have to apply the 80-20 principle here and say, look, it's not gonna be perfect, but it's gonna be directionally accurate. So I would say, we recommend no more than one to two months actually gathering and crunching data once you wanna launch a new, new initiative. Huh. Um, then we, then we, we say, hey, because the data wasn't perfect, because we had to move quickly to crunch the numbers, let's run some pilots. So instead of saying, okay, the data is telling us to launch uh, a new widget toward our, uh, I don't know, market segment A, uh, maybe instead of uh, reinventing the wheel and spending a lot of money and having a million dollar marketing budget, maybe we do a little bit more testing with a a MVP beta type product and a smaller scale marketing thing just to prove out that it works. Um, it depends you know, how much product development is needed or if it's just a change in marketing and sales strategy, but we typically recommend uh, four week cycles for tests. So once you spend one or two months uh, uh, coming up with your strategy through crunching your numbers, then run some tests, let those tests run for about four weeks and see how they're going and then reassess on a monthly basis in terms of what was a winner that you wanna yeah. invest in and scale and hire people and, and, and double down 10 extra marketing budget, add some sales folks, uh, and what didn't quite work out as you expected, and then go back to the data to figure out, was it, uh, you know what did we get wrong? Can we correct that? If you can correct it, correct it. If you can't, then maybe it's time to, uh, to fail fast and move on to the next thing.
2: Yeah, right. And is there value in bringing in outside data and adding it to the mix?
3: Um, Yes. With a star next to it, we find that you're going to get most benefit and higher bang for your buck. If you use your own data, because it's unique to your customer base, to your market, to your company, to your products, to your brand. Uh, That being said, uh, adding as much data as possible into the situation only, only helps make models be more accurate and, and analyses be more uh, predictive. Uh, but I would say start with what you have before you spend a lot of money on, on other you know, lists and other people's data. Right. Um, uh, it's, it can be expensive. It's not always accurate and it could be, it's competitive because your competitors are also buying that data. So you're not going to really get, get a leg up. Um, uh, again, not to say that there's never a case to to buy, uh, buy or license other people's data, uh, but really make sure you're maxing out what you have at your at your disposal before doing that.
2: Got it. Okay, that's valuable. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, shoot, I have another question for you about data, and it just totally left my head. Uh, so while I'm trying to think of it, um. What else do the listeners need to know about how to gather the data or how they know when it's time to have someone else do it for yeah. them?
3: Yeah, I, I think a few things. I think the, one is these are brand new capabilities. So if you try to do it yourself uh, with existing team people who, who have no, no, uh, no experience. It's just gonna be a much uh, more difficult learning curve, not to say that your team can't figure it out eventually, but uh, for, for companies that we've seen successfully leverage data to grow their businesses, they've brought on people, whether it's consultants or new employees that have been doing this their whole life and it's, it's uh, second nature to them and they can help the company move fa- faster and, and with fewer mistakes uh and it's it's partially skill set it's also frankly partially mindset uh so a lot of people Hmm. who who have this this uh test and learn mentality uh because they're used to working with a lot of data and experimenting and hypothesizing and testing testing theories um it's just a different way of thinking and i think that's actually a good thing all companies should be adding to their their culture is this 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 culture of experimentation and curiosity and intellectual you know, stimulation and, and testing theories and being okay with guessing wrong, but, but we did it in a measured way and controlled way and we learned from it. So it's a little bit of a mindset and I shift. So that's why it's helpful to bring in some people from the outside.
2: Yeah, um, right.
3: One thing I might pause on and just be very careful about is, is the temptation to bring in technology right away to solve this problem. And there are lots of amazing tech platforms out there and we encourage people to invest in them and they, they, will, um, uh, they will help you grow your business. But I think it starts with getting the right people on board, getting the right strategy and, and set of hypotheses buttoned down first, and then figuring out what technology you need to, to either measure or take action on, on your results, um, rather than starting with the technology and then hoping that it fits your need.
2: Wow, that that's really interesting. Do you find that people uh, go toward the technology first?
3: Yeah, I think you know, I, I think it's it's human nature. I mean, it's, it's new technology yeah. is cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's you know, it's hey, this would be awesome, and you and, and you get wowed by the demo, and and uh, I think sometimes companies underappreciate that you, you just don't turn on a new piece of software and it runs itself and it 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 uh, grows your business automatically. Uh, You need, you need someone to own that investment and think about how the company is going to use it and how the insights from it are going to get spread throughout the organization. Um, So again, it comes back to the human nature, the person involved. Uh, Again, I love technology. I've been using technology my whole life. Uh, I'm not saying don't invest in technology, uh, but I'm saying focus, think about the human needs and the business needs first, and then, and then license the technology. Don't, don't get tricked by a shiny new object.
2: Got it. Okay. I think that that is <laughs> great input. Um, I appreciate it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Rob, I, I appreciate this information. I, um, I know I have a much clearer understanding of how, how this can be done um, and it is not so scary anymore. So thank you. And I figured, you know, then so can the listeners. Uh, will you tell them how they can find you, please?
3: Yes, you can come to our website at sterlingwoods.com. On it, you can actually take an assessment. It's a short 10-question quiz, so to speak, and and you'll get a personalized report as to how you can better use your data immediately. And I'm happy to speak with anyone personally. Shoot shoot me an email at rob.ristagno, R-I-S-T-A-G-N-O, at sterlingwoods.com.
2: Wonderful, thank you. And listeners, thank you. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. You can go to audibletrial.com/business Growth to sign up for a trial and explore all of the audiobooks and programs uh, that are available to you there. As always, continue to prosper and be curious and until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
3: Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you don't retire, graduate.